0: I've thought a lot about this because in the previous weeks we've been talking about uh, structuring, preparation perhaps for a new pastor, who we are as a church in this day, in this place, and what the future might hold. And as we've looked in the last three Sundays at some aspect of the children of Israel, uh, we're learning that they weren't as good as they thought they were. And if we were to follow them further we would see that they experienced what we have learned through our own experience and that is that following God does not often guarantee a smooth path as we would desire it. There is a train of thought in Christian preaching that if you trust God and give him all your money, you will be blessed with health and wealth and so on. I haven't found that yet. Uh, I do know that if I put some money in an offering plate, the one thing is certain I will be short of that amount of money in my pocket. And I know that God calls us to do things, but I want to say to you that uh, as we live our Christian life, individually and as a church, things will go wrong and we should be aware of that. They go wrong at work, at home, at play, and unfortunately they go wrong also in our church suffering and pain will come to our lives and if we try to work up more faith as many of us do we find it doesn't solve the problem it doesn't make it go away we need somehow to make sense out of the things that we cannot that we cannot fully explain Paul wrote to some Corinthians who were having troubles and he said here's the bottom line we must not lose hope and so That's where we start today. Pain is not incidental in our lives. It uh, it is some sort of structure. It will generally lead to a response of either uh, hope or cynicism. And again, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that we must never let it be a source of our losing hope in Christ. He wrote to the Corinthians... And he was telling them really who they are, and this is who we are too. God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has now made his light to shine in our hearts. And that light will give us light of knowledge, the knowledge of the glory of God as seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So what, what he's saying there, uh, glory, by the way, could easily be translated character. In John's Gospel, it says they saw Jesus and in him they saw the glory of the only begotten Son of God. Well, they didn't see a little light above his head. They saw in his character and the way he did things how he represented God's character. Romans 3.23, one of the verses we say, all of us have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of his character. And so... Paul goes on to say, but this treasure I've talked about, this light of the knowledge of the glory, this understanding, we have this in jars of clay so that we understand this life and power is from God and not from us. Uh, Jars of clay, in my experience, are mostly associated with flower pots. You go and you buy uh, a plant and it's uh, in a pot of clay and you bring it home. If you do so, never touch it against other pots of clay because they're brittle, they crack, they split, they break. And uh, what Paul is saying is that really our lives are a lot like that. We wish we were made of stone, but we're made of clay. And uh, when got together, we can easily bruise each other, chip and break away, and life cannot be uh, very good. So he's saying that the power that keeps us going comes from God. It's not of ourselves. Now, I was thinking of an illustration and if you're Canadian, you should have experienced this because we did. And it is that uh, on a wintry day, we set out in our vehicle to go to another place. A Little bit of snow in the air, but not too bad. And we got onto the road and as we went, it seemed pretty good because uh, traffic was coming towards us. That would indicate the roads are still open. Uh, We could see the markings on the road. But as we progressed further, we noticed that it's getting a little harder. And then, did we see a car come towards us for a while? I don't think so. And then we go round a bend and we get caught in a snow drift and suddenly the wheels spin and we are caught in the snow. No problem. This is a busy road. They'll have the ploughs out and they'll come through. So we will wait. And the heat goes out of the car. We get a blanket. There's only one, so we share We noticed there's no food. We didn't really bring any water. But it's okay. Help is on its way, we think. Nothing coming yet until suddenly in the distance a light is blinking. And uh, it's a tractor. He will take us out. But no, he calls out to us. Are you folks okay? Yes, we're okay. And he says, well, I'll go down and talk to others. But just remember, help is on its way. Those are beautiful words when you're stuck in the snow. Now there's no anxiety. Leave the window down so we can hear the snow and feel the presence and the quiet and we're enjoying it. We're still in that same place of helplessness, but help is on its way. And so if we could start to apply that concept to our own lives when bad things happen, we will have a new perspective because we'll realise that our suffering and our pain comes mainly from three sources, and there will be help on its ways. The first one is that it comes from our own behaviour. The second one is that it comes from the behaviour of others towards us, and then it comes from the realities of the world we live in. Whether we like it or not, we will hurt ourselves by our actions, Uh, our reactions primarily to situations Uh, and we are our worst enemies at times there are consequences that are bad to our bad behavior or our selfish behavior our rebelliousness or impulsiveness or even our revengeful spirit there are consequences for that and they cannot be avoided and they come with a price Uh, I would say too that our reactions to events that are harmful to us or that we don't like often will reveal the depth of our walk with God. And uh, even if no one's noticing, we notice. And uh, sometimes we have to feel very ashamed that we were so pathetically juvenile in our reactions to situations that have come as a response of what we've done. Things the Bible would call sometimes sinful but certainly harmful if they're not dealt with, will lead to bitterness and further pain. It's good to be in a church like this. When trouble comes, people encourage us. They talk to us, and this is a good community. We know from the Bible that God wants us to look at him and find sympathy, but it won't alter the fact that there are consequences to the choices we make in life. That's very hard to get across to children and teenagers. And ultimately part of maturing is understanding that if I do this there could be a consequence. Often though the the pain is not self-inflicted but the result of hurtful actions by other people every day in this world innocent people, thousands of them are hurt by the actions of other people uh, and some of them even would lead to death there are Issues that people have against us and so there's revengeful behaviour to us at times there's a payback type of thing but also the things that other people do to us are not intentional the man did not intend to run the red light and hit me he, it was thoughtlessness or lack of concentration and uh, the food I ate at the restaurant they didn't intend to poison me but they didn't look at the fish closely enough And so things happen that are outside our control but are the the result of other people's actions. And then there's the pain from the realities there of the world we live in. Uh, Every day it seems there are major disasters, earthquakes, tsunamis, fires and floods in some part of the world where people, many, many people, are hurt, dispossessed and even die. This is a tough world to live in and there are things that happen to us that we did not wish. There's another set too, and I don't know if it's applicable here, but for some families there's a a genetic disease or some handicap that's come into the home through no specific fault of anyone, but it lives with you every day and causes pain, even though it can be a, a wonderful time for you to express grace and love to others. You might have thought we would have added another one which would be the devil and his workers and uh, Peter tells us that the devil does prowl around like a roaring lion looking for those he might devour but he also tells us that the Christ within it within us is greater than any outside influence and so we have the choice when trouble comes to us it may be the devil is tempting us but if we submit to that there will be trouble for us but we have the power to invoke the help of the Lord Jesus Christ to come to us because he is greater than the devil and he can help us and I'll talk about that later on that he comes to us when we are tempted so what i'm saying is that our daily choices can over time become patterns and if we're not careful they can be almost come addictions i was thinking of an example and i thought about mentioning coffee but i figured i might be on dangerous ground in the old days we started our day with coffee because it was refreshing and that was it Uh, and maybe it became a pattern of our lives but it certainly didn't have any other pull but nowadays coffee has become a necessity it seems not only a part of our daily lives in the morning but in the noon and the afternoon and not just coffee now, but some wonderful machines that have little pods you put in and there's a hundred different choices. Heinz soups have really left behind now with its choices. There's so many ways you can have coffee and you're confronted with a tray and you have to choose a pod and they're all different colours and only the educated and sophisticated know which one to choose. And, of course, if you cross the road here, there's wonderful options and they come with cream on top or syrups underneath. And in this sense, you have to ask, where is the coffee? Because it's so wonderful, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying it's addictive, but I will notice that a lot of people can't live without it. And so maybe it is an example of being careful about daily choices that become patterns that can lead to a type of addiction. What I'm really saying is that the coffee example can sometimes be applied in other areas of our life that are not so good. So not so good that we keep them secret because to let them be known would make us feel ashamed. And that in turn leads to having to tell untruths at times to correct it so people don't come to know the things that we are hiding. It often starts with something private and something small. But that pattern, well that start becomes a pattern and before long we may deny it, but it has us in its hands. And in today's world of technology, there are many things that can lead us to a point that we would deny as addiction, but which has control of our life and our purse and it is not helpful in God's light. Uh, We would rather change events than change our life, if you've noticed. Um, It would be much easier if God would take away the the issue rather than have me make some disciplined life, a thing to change. Uh, You know if you're doing that, if you have an if only in your word, in your world. If only uh, I had more money. If only my spouse would treat me better. If only my children would act like other good people's children do. If only I didn't have this. If only my life were different. If only God would move some things out. If only I could do that, I would not have the pain that I'm feeling now. My observation through life has that fixing something doesn't usually transform. It patches up, but it doesn't transform my inner life and my being. One of the ones I I want to say... That uh, you might not like me saying, but I've come to notice it uh, over the years as a pastor, is that our experiences of God can also be, over time, unhelpful. We come here at a day like this, and maybe this is the day where God will speak to you through a song or a word or a prayer that is offered and it's something that you needed in your life and you respond to that and it's a spiritual experience that is good and you go away you may tell others you may not but in your heart you thank God for that experience but the problem is that that last experience of God can be the obstacle for God bringing you another one because you say as it were I'm fixed there's no more to be had I've met with God and God has done this in my life and now I am free but in reality we may not be free because life I have found is a continuum of experiences of God leading me rebuking me setting me aside blessing me moving me on and if we think this last experience of God was all that was needed can I suggest humbly that it wasn't and God wants to bring you new experiences And we can become imprisoned even in our Christian life. The Wesley brothers from England, John Wesley the preacher, Charles Wesley the artistic writer of beautiful songs and poetry. Charles Wesley was like that. He thought he had a relationship with God, but he realised he was trapped in his own little world. And so in beautiful words he sat down and he wrote, Long my imprisoned spirit lay... Fast bound in sin in nature's night, my eye diffused, which means it felt or noticed a quickening, life-giving light. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. So what did he do? He let go, and freedom followed to him. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Freedom. There's another one. No condemnation, he said. Now, I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. I am alive in him, my glorious head, and clothed in a righteousness from him, a righteousness divine. It's got a little old language there, but it means the same thing. Let go and let God. He will do that. We can know the freedom from pain or negative patterns of life and behaviour, and we can be free from the guilt associated uh, with them. Another powerful uh, form of pain is that it comes from our fears. Uh, often these start in childhood, and you read more about it now in our society, that uh, people are suffering from depression or some, uh, shall we say, some characteristics of life that are not good, harmful, and it goes back to childhood and earlier. And it is when people in early life hurt us in some way, whether intentionally or not, but it has hurt us and has lasting effects. Uh, adopted children illustrate that point, And as I am one, it's something that I've had uh, interest in. I was adopted. And uh, about age eight, I come to terms or came to the knowledge of that. And so I was more inclined to listen to what does that mean uh, at age eight, you seem to be just one of the boys playing. But as you listen, and a lot of it comes from adults, and it doesn't have to be adoption, it could be some other situation in your life, you realise uh, that uh, people do talk about your difference. And uh, as I learned that, not from other kids particularly, in fact, hardly ever, but from adults. And so as a young boy, 9, 10, 11, 12, you're listening and you hear other conversations and so you almost go look for those conversations and apparently us adopted kids tell lies we steal food from other kids lunchboxes, we can't sit still and listen and we don't like to be touched and actually the bottom line I heard was that we're very difficult and it shouldn't really be someone's responsibility to take care of us and I knew directly from adults at church who told me God is ashamed of you, given your lack of attention during worship. So you know that's, that's really a stimulus to follow God and be that. So in your world, or there may be things like that that you've been told. Things that are buried deep and they come up and uh, they create fear. Am I pleasing people? Am I doing it right? Well, for me, it was the message of the cross. The man up front had it right. He got me on the right track because he told me that the God who made me cared me enough to sacrifice his son on my behalf so that I could be free from guilt and the pain of the past, whatever that was. I could be adopted again into his family where I would be regarded as totally accepted. And so nothing can separate me now I am his, and he is mine. There's hope to remove the fear from your situation, whatever it is this morning. Uh, In older age, there are fears about the future and who will look after me, and will I have enough money, and will my health hold, and a number of things like that. Will my children take care of me as I would like? In the middle life, there are fears about the future, about my job and the need of it for, to pay the expenses. They're seeing my children on the right path and uh, other fears that you possibly have. Now, good friends can help you and encourage you along the way, but there's needed, there needs to be more than that. I need to know that God cares about me. I recall one instance, it's about 30 years ago now, where I was in ministry and I'd come to a point where I wondered, do I really count? My background was in uh, broadcasting and actually in um, drama. In the high school, we, uh, we had an expert drama teacher and we'd done big plays. I'd known the importance of being earnest and Pygmalion and all these other things that you did. And I loved that and had been tried to be steered that direction, but my parents were having none of that sinful Um, so maybe I could do that maybe I could find you know another outlet and as I'm thinking about that I went with a fellow pastor he actually now leads the alliance in US but then he was a a neighbor and we traveled together and we roomed together at a conference and he went for a morning run which I didn't do and when he came back he came in one day uh, and he said God I was just talking to the Lord as I went in. I felt he said something to me that I need to tell you Calvin God says to you that he wants to humble you, refine you and deepen you. And it sort of went like an arrow because I knew the humble thing was needed but I hoped no one had noticed. And that's what I really wanted was a deeper life with Jesus. It had become too patterned. I could preach a sermon quickly. I could say the words they wanted to hear but I wanted to do that. And so that's it. The sanctifier is working in all of our hearts if we will let him to deepen us and refine us and make us more into his image. We sing the songs. No fear in life. No, no guilt in life. No fear in death. Jesus commands my destiny. Love that song. But is it true? There is no fear, no guilt in life left. Or does it keep coming back because I haven't dealt with it? He says, I am the Lord who heals you. I make you whole. I remember the day, do you, when I asked Jesus into my heart? I was young, and it was almost the words of a song. I said to him, come in today, come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. And I know he came, because he changed my life and my outlook. He could intercept the pain that comes to my hurts if I could catch on to the fact that he wants to, that help is on its way, and it's him. And he continues to have that same compassion. His salvation is sufficient to address all your sin, all your associated guilt, all the consequences that come, all the hurts from other people, all the outcomes of being part of a life in this world today. He wants to humble you and refine you and deepen you. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Romans 12 tells us that he renews our minds through acceptance of his word. And God will reveal his unconditional nature for, of love for us. It's all about him. And that's what it will be if we are to follow him. It's his grace that we are saved through faith. It's not of works that we can do so any of us can boast, the scripture says, and even the faith to believe has come uh, from him. So when things go wrong, can I encourage you not to lose heart because help is on its way. In fact, help is very near. Paul says, uh, it may be outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly we can be renewed day by day. And there are many in this room who've lived uh, a long Christian life and who can testify that God is there and God will come, but only as we let go and go away. There's a story that uh, was told a lot, and you probably heard it, but it might be long ago since anyone told you, so I'll tell you. The story uh, is of a man who was out on a walk on a cliff face, enjoying the walk and looking out at the ocean and hearing the birds or whatever. It was one of those days where you walk along and you look down and see the cliff way down below the beach, but your mind gets occupied and suddenly he slipped and he found himself falling down this cliff face. And uh, they say that everything comes together quickly and it did. And he saw that there was a rope there that was dangled down but didn't go to the end, only went halfway. But he managed to grab onto that rope and it held him. And he's swinging there for a few minutes and it settles and his heart settles down. And so he cries out, help! Anyone up there, help! And suddenly there's a thunderclap and a voice says, I'm here, I'm God and I'm here to help. And he says, God, please help me, what do I do? And God says, let go the rope. And there's silence for a while. And then the man claws out, is there anyone else up there? And that's us. God says, let go. And we says, well, is there any other way? God says, no. Ray Bolts, I don't know if you know him. He's a, I like his singing, but he had some experiences and he's got a big voice. And one of his ones was, as he talked about the life storms coming on him, His analogy was the anchor holds. The anchor holds though the ship is battered. The anchor holds though the sails are torn. I've fallen on my knees amidst the raging seas and i found the anchor holds in spite of the storm. And uh, I would say amen to that. But it's very hard not to jump ship in case the anchor doesn't hold. So... Paul says, these pains are real, but in the big picture, they're light and momentary. He said, we can be hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We can perplexed, but not go into despair. We can know persecution, but know too that we're not abandoned. We may be struck down, but we won't be destroyed. So these are the words of God that show me that you and I are God's delight. His life within us is a treasure, an eternal treasure housed for the moment in a jar of clay, later to be transferred to a new and glorious eternal body in his presence. He's adopted us, if that's what you need to hear, and we are the family of God. So can it be that we choose to embrace a lifestyle that honors him and reduces the likelihood of self-inflicted pain? And can it be that we accept that others may cause us pain and that the world we live in produces painful situations from which we're not immune, but our responses will not be ungodly, but recognising that his help has come and available to us. We may be discouraged, but we will let God encourage us. Turn us from anger and bitterness. Allow us to focus on who we are in him what he's done for us, our gratitude for his presence and his life within, within us in every situation. Our help is always on its way with him. And he will lead us. He leads us through quiet waters, the psalmist says, which is good. We hold our hand up to that. But it says he also leads us through the valley. We wish he would lead us around the valley. We wish he would abandon the valley in our life altogether. But God doesn't often do that in his plan for us because God has learned what might take a lifetime for us to learn. That the potential for growth and maturity and holiness is far greater in pain than it is in a life of ease. And so through the difficult times, he's proved himself faithful to me and to you and to, in many cases. And let me say, we're counting on him to be faithful in that again in the circumstances that come. Help is always on its way, and he will show us, and we can experience what the Old Testament writer said, the tears of the night can turn in the morning to tears of or expressions of joy. And may it be in your life, whatever the situation you're facing today, because situations happy happen, trouble comes, and trouble won't go away just by coming here and singing a song, but coming here and in a sense or going wherever and bowing down and saying, my hope is in you, Lord. My confidence is in you. I will not fear the battle. I will not fear the storm. I will understand that you have anchored me to your life. And this, I am secure and safe. But you must let, I know I must let go. Very, very hard. Very hard. You talk to people with certain sicknesses and the doctors say, well, the prognosis is not good first thing they do is get online and see what someone else thinks we like another opinion we like someone who will give us hope in this world i can tell you friends come here and there's hope for every situation you face hope for everything that will come to your life but it requires us to come here and as it were at the foot of the cross let go and realize that he's done it all it's all available help us here no need to wait for the tractor and it's blinking light it's here now, if we will trust him. Be still, my soul, we say. The Lord is on your side. That's really good. I've struck times when I thought, who's on my side? No one's on my side, especially younger. My parents aren't, the teachers aren't, the coach at school isn't. And in a later life, all these things come. Who's on my side? We might think that. We sit here, just a small group, and they're out there, and we seem so pitiful when Shall we say target or put against them? No, no, no. Be still. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross because he sees that it is a cross of pain or grief. Breathe quietly to him. May God bless you and hold you true. And let me pray for you and then we'll sing a song. Dear God, thank you for uh, this group of people that are gathered today. At times they will reach uh, situations where they're looking for help and trouble has come to them, but Lord, uh, we know your presence is with us and so we invite your presence into our lives today in whatever situation we have and may the words we sing now be words of testimony rather than perhaps hope that we can say you do care for us, you do come when we're there. And so we trust you today, tomorrow, and every day you give us. May our hope be in you and also our life. So still our souls and our hearts today before you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.